Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. Excellent job. Thank you, Mikey. Wow. I did not even know he can play piano that well. Wow. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord for young talents. And praise the Lord for the Ohms family who is here and involved in doing pretty much in every part of the service. So we're glad to be here. Happy Sabbath, Middletown. I miss you so much. I wish I could see all of you. But at least you get to see me. And uh, I know Pam and I, we've been thinking of creative way how we get to see you to figure out how we can get to see you. But I pray that this will not last long, that this will come to an end soon, and that we all can come and worship together as the people of God. As long as I can remember myself, I've always loved to travel, and I love maps. I've always love travel, uh, travel, uh, travel and maps. And I don't know if I love maps because I like to travel or because I, I, I like to travel because I love maps. I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I love both of them. It's like the chicken and the egg thing. How many of you have heard of the Great Lakes? They're located in, um, in up on our northern border with... Canada, between U.S. and Canada, uh, they are the largest bodies of sweet water in North America. Um, I, I, I hope uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, have you ever been there? I don't know if everybody went up there. And if you, if you, if you went to that trouble to drive all the way up to the Great Lakes, I wonder if you... Enter the water. Huh. I wonder if you did that. I know I did. It's so cold. It's cold water. It never gets above 40-some degrees. Uh, and um, it's cold water. When I was at the seminary, I had the opportunity to, to swim in two of the Great Lakes. Um, did you know that Lake Superior is the largest of the Great Lakes of North America, and is this. This is a statistic. This is a, a, a stat on, on Lake Superior. It's the world's largest freshwater lake by surface area, and the third largest freshwater lake by volume. It contains 10% of the world's fresh surface water. And today... Praise God, it is fresh and clean water. But it wasn't always the same. In the early years of our industrial economy, the lake was polluted with a lot of toxic materials, and it became very polluted. After World War II, the American government observed what we did to it, to the lake, and order a stop to dumping any toxic materials of any kind 
into the Lake Superior. And an interesting and most fascinating development happened. I think I read somewhere a longitudinal study on this. That is a study that is done over the course of many years. In less than 20 years, the lake restored itself to almost its original purity. Clean, fresh water again. Isn't that amazing how God created His nature with the ability to restore, to restore itself when we stop polluting it? The title of my sermon today is Hope, Healing, and Restoration from the Pandemic. Let us pray once again. Lord Jesus, we come to you as we are just about to open your word and to have you teach us. And Lord, I pray that this message will bring hope to many people that are watching or that are listening. I pray that through this message, people will learn some principles of healing and restoration and they will start living a more quality life. Lord, I pray that you will give me the words and I pray that you will give us the hearts to receive it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Open with me the Bible to the book of Jeremiah, Prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament. Today we're going to study a couple of God's declarations. First, let's look at Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I would like you to take a closer look at this verse. Let's read it together. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Let's stop right here for a moment. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Think about this. What you're reading here, these words are nothing else but a declaration of God. God declares. And we will be looking at two of his declarations today. What is a declaration? Oxford Dictionary defines declaration as a formal or explicit statement or announcement. A declaration is an important statement. It is a serious statement. It carries authority, usually of the one who makes the declaration, and it has certainty. Think about a declaration of war. A declaration of war, a government declares towards another country's government. And it's important for the receiving government to, to know it because it's intended to happen. 
It's serious business. In law, a declaration is an authoritative establishment of a fact. It is true, it is real, and it is legally binding for the one who pronounces it. What we have here in Jeremiah 29 verse 11 is a declaration of our God. It is communicated through the voice of his prophet Jeremiah, but the declaration is God's declaration. It carries with it God's authority and God's ability to carry it out. In other words, God's declaration here, it's true, it is real, and it is 100% guaranteed to happen. Now, what's the declaration of Jeremiah 29 verse 11? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And how are you going to do that, God? And God says, I have plans to give you hope and a future. God declares that his plans for us are plans to give us hope and future. Hope and future. We need hope these days for the future. Excellent and exciting. Hope. What is hope? According to dictionaries, hope is an optimistic state of mind that is based on a, an expectation of positive outcomes with respect to events and circumstances in one's life or in the world at large. As a verb, hope, the definition include expect with confidence and cherish a desire with anticipation. In other words, hope means being confident that something will happen sooner or later. It is certain expectation. In biblical terms, hope is an intrinsic part of our faith. Take a look at Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith, is an, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, God's declaration claims to give us hope. Last week in my sermon, we, we, we learned what, actually we learned who is our hope. Who is our hope? A resurrected Savior. A risen Savior. Jesus Christ is our hope, whose tomb is empty. He is our hope. And certainly, He is the solution of our pandemic. I'm talking about the pandemic of sin, which is greater and has more devastating effects than any other pandemic, including what we know now, coronavirus. You can listen to that sermon on our website. 
You can go to friendlychurch.com and under the tab of worship and studies, scroll down to sermon archives. Or you can go to our, go back if you're watching on YouTube, go back to YouTube and look for the sermon titled Pandemic Solution Discovered. A risen Savior whose tomb is empty is our hope. A risen Savior who now is in heaven, ministering with his own blood in the heavenly sanctuary. Here is my hope and your hope. Let's take a quick look at what the Bible teaches us about this hope we have in Jesus in heaven. What's he doing now? Hebrews 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Seeing then that we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. My friend, this is your high priest and my high priest. He is Jesus, our Savior, a resurrected Savior who is serving in the heavenly sanctuary for you and for me. Let us, therefore, verse 16, let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In times like this, that's where we go, to Jesus. Another passage about Jesus serving in the heavenly sanctuary is in Hebrews chapter 8, the first couple of verses, verses 1 and 2. Now, this is the main point of the things we're saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. So certainly he's not speaking about the earthly temple, earthly tabernacle who pointed to Jesus, talking about the heavenly one, the model that was shown to Moses. My friend, the Bible is crystal clear about what Jesus is doing for you and for me right now. He is in heaven ministering for us. Of course, we know what he has done for us here on earth. Jesus lived a blameless, perfect, sinless life. He lived a self-sacrificious life. He did a lot of good for disadvantaged people, for sick people, for needy people. And he eventually died the most shameful, shameful death possible in his time. He died on the, cross of, on the cross of Calvary for you and me. But if the story ended there, we would have no hope. It is because he is risen from the dead. It is because he is in heaven that we have hope. It is because he is still ministering for you and me. Now ministering as a high priest, not to the blood of animals, but rather with his own blood, 
It is because of this truth that we have hope. Hebrews 10, verses 11 to 17, I'll just browse through them. There's a bunch of them there. I'll just, um, uh, beginning with verse 11, Hebrews 10, 11, And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, sacrifices which can never take away sins. Why? Because Paul is talking about the sacrifices offered in the earthly sanctuary, sacrifices that pointed to Jesus, to the Messiah that was going to die for you and for me as the Lamb of God. But this man, Jesus, verse 12, this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Yes, now Jesus is in heaven. Verse 14, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Sanctified means holy, means set aside, set apart for him. How did Jesus accomplish this? Verse 17, their sins... And their lawless deeds I will remember no more. My friend, I want you to take a good look at this verse 17. What Jesus is saying is that after you confess your sins and you turn away from sin, your sins and your lawless deeds, he will remember no more. Now, that's our hope and certainly that's why we have a future god's declaration in jeremiah 29 verse 11 is that he god will offer us hope through jesus and he will offer us a future what future is god offering us romans 6:23 says for the wages of sin is death that is the reality of the pandemic we're in, of the sin pandemic. This sin pandemic only leads to death. But, Paul says, and take a look at this, the gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. My friend, the future God declares for us is a gift. It is the gift of eternal life. It is the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. And since it is a gift, it is freely given to you. You don't have to do anything for it. Well, you got to do something. Though it's free, you need to accept it. God will not force upon you his gift. Do you, want, do you want a way out of this pandemic? Do you want eternal life? Then accept his gift in Christ Jesus. See, not all roads lead to Rome according to the Bible and according to Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
The way out of this pandemic is only through Jesus. The gift of eternal life is only in Christ Jesus. That's what makes Christians different than any other people in the world. My friend, God's declaration for you today is to give you hope through Jesus and to give you eternal life in Jesus. And since it is God's declaration, it is true and it is certain. You have a chance today to accept or to deny or reject His offer. It is your choice. What would you choose? As for me, I choose life in Jesus. The other declaration of God is one page over if you have your Bibles open or if you're looking on digital devices, just one chapter over. God speaks through Jeremiah the prophet again. Jeremiah 30 verse 17 says, I will restore you to health to health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord. Again, this is a declaration of God. And as we learn, a declaration is an important statement. It is a serious statement. It carries authority and it has certainty. This is God's declaration for you and me today. I will restore you to health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord. It sounds very hopeful, very positive. How is this going to happen is the question. Well, we learned about Lake Superior's amazing recovery. All it took was what? To stop polluting it, right? And slowly but surely, it was restored. About a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, looking at some uh, pictures from NASA on the internet. Here is what I found about China's atmosphere. Some of you may have already seen this. On the left, it shows how the air was before the lockdown, when business was as usual. And on the right is how it looked, how the air over China looked after about a month of lockdown. See? With the lockdown, we humans stopped polluting the atmosphere and it restored itself to fresh, clean air just like Lake Superior restored itself to fresh, clean water. And you may say, Pastor Marius, you're talking about water and you're talking about air. That doesn't apply to me. Well, in case you didn't know, our body is more than two-thirds water, right? And we need air to live. We can't live without air. So it certainly applies to our bodies and to our whole being. 
physical, mental, and spiritual beings as God created us. Let me do a, a little visual illustration here. Uh, I brought with me a hammer, a couple of nails, and a plank, a two by six. I'm going to attempt to nail, drive this nail into this plank. Let's see if I am successful. Ah! Ooh! It hurts. I just hit my thumb. Wow. It hurts when you hit your finger with the hammer. My friend, God declared that He will heal our wounds. I just hit my thumb and it hurts. Now, what do I need to do? Well, the next day, I go back here and I try, I attempt to, to hit this harder. Ah! And, uh, and, uh, and again, I, I hit my finger, my thumb. Well, the next day I go back and I, I, I hit it again and it bleeds and it hurts. Tell me, kids, what do I need to do to begin healing? Obviously, I need to stop hitting my thumb, right? Once I stop hitting my finger, it begins to heal. It is God's restorative power in His creation. And that is His declaration that He will heal our wounds. But first, we have, we must stop hitting ourselves, right? My friend, God declared that He will heal our wounds, physical, emotional, and spiritual. He will do it. It's His declaration. And He's already started the process of healing. Just after I stopped hitting, but when I go and hit my finger again, He says, Marius, what are you doing? Stop hitting your finger but the next day I do it again, and the next day I do it multiple times, and he's like, please stop hurting yourself. I want to offer you healing and restoration. See, my friends, here is the sad reality. It's true. You may not have intended to hit your thumb the first time, but if you keep hitting it, it will not heal you may not have intended to get hooked on drugs. It may have been a prescription medication first, but then it became a normal routine. You kept hitting your body with drugs. You may have not intended to become an alcoholic, but you were invited to a party and try it for the first time, got drunk, and then it became your way of coping with stress. You may not have intended to get hooked on porn, but a random 
pop-up image popped on your screen and now has become your major moral problem. It affects your ability to relate to other human beings, including your spouse and your family, and you live constantly in guilt and shame. You may not have intended to become a food addict, but one night when you were under so much stress, you went to the kitchen and got some comfort food for yourself. And ever since, food has become your way of coping with stress and life. You may not have intended to become a controlling individual, but one time long ago, an opportunity came up for you to lead a meeting, and after that, you realized that being in control gives you a positive high. And ever since, you're looking for situations and opportunities to control others everywhere you go. You may not have planned to become a smoker, but a friend asked you to try it one day, and now you keep looking for that cigarette every day. My friends, you get the point. And you can add to the list. You may be a workaholic, shopaholic, chaos addict, and busyness addict. You may be a sinner. Maybe. Well, we're all sinners, right? According to Paul, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. And by sinning, we're hitting our soul day after day. And when you do so, you interfere with God's promise of healing and restoration. Jeremiah 30 verse 17 says, I will restore you to health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord. My friends, that's God's declaration for you today. And I want to present to you how you can have hope, healing, and restoration from this pandemic, from the sin pandemic. There are two big steps and a few other steps under those steps in this process. In order to benefit from God's promise of healing and restoration, you must consider your life. And number two, you must cooperate with God. You must take action. You must take steps toward healing and restoration. Now, how do you consider your life? You need three individuals in your life to help you do this. You need your honest self. You start with yourself, being honest and willing to yourself, to being willing and honest to look at your life. And you also need one or more trusted friends. You must search for a man of God. Or if you're a woman, you must search for a woman of God, trusted, non-judgmental, who is willing and committed to love you, to look at you and confront you in love with what he or she sees in your life that is hurting you. And you certainly need God. 
You need your creator, the one who formed you, to reveal you what it is that neither you nor your friends, but only he can see. What I'm really describing to you is the so-called Yohari window. Not sure if, you, if you've heard of this or if you've, saw it, if you've seen it before. It was created by two psychologists, Jeff Loft and Harrington Ingham in 1955. It's been around for a while. What they observed in people's life is that, is that their life, your life, my life, is divided in four big areas. There are aspects of your life that you know about yourself. God knows about it, obviously, and also know it. That's in the upper left corner of your hurry window. Then there are aspects of your life that only you know, and obviously God knows too. Others don't know it, or you don't want others to know it. That's where you put up a facade. That's in the lower left corner. Then there are aspects of your life that only you and God knows. Others don't know it, and you don't want them to know it. Well, actually, I'm, I'm speaking back of the lower corner, looking back at the, the, the right left, uh, uh, the right upper corner. That's where, uh, uh, that's the things in your life that only others know, and you don't. It's the blind spot. We all have it. That's when you need good, trusted friends to help you, to assist you in seeing things you don't see. It's your blind spot. Then there are things in your life that you don't realize you have. No other people see them either. Only God knows them. And that's in the lower right corner. Here is where we need to be honest and willing to make that sincere, that earnest prayer and ask God to reveal to us the deepest inner parts of our being. The parts that David speaks in Psalm 139 that God knows. And he will do it in the measure he knows is safe for you. My friend, that's how you consider your life. You look at the entire picture, looking at all four areas that make up your life, and ask yourself, what is it that is causing me pain? What is it that interferes with God's restoration work in me? Then you must take action. You must cooperate with God. When Jesus saved that woman caught in adultery, he didn't just let her return to her normal life. No, because he couldn't heal her if she continued in her sin. Jesus said to her, go sin no more. Stop hitting you. See, many Christians and 
I've heard even pastors sincerely quoting James 4, 7, not completely quoting it. They say, resist, resist the temptation, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What they really miss is the first part of the advice James gives, which surely is the key to healing and restoration. And this is what people miss. Submit to God. See, James' full advice is, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. My friend, only when we are surrendered to him, we are covered by his protection. We are living in his court. We, we are living within his guarded territory. And when the devil comes to knock at the door, it is God who answers the door. And James says, therefore, he will flee from you. See, you don't have to fight that fight. The devil is much stronger than you. He will overcome you. But when we live in a total surrender, when we will, then we will be able to go and sin no more. Then we will stop heating our soul, our brain, our liver, our lungs. And when we stop hurting ourselves, healing begins. Let me show you a few pictures of restorative power of God in the liver of a recovering alcoholic, in the brain of a recovering drug user, and in the lungs of a recoverer, uh, smoker, reco uh, recovering smoker. Um, it's no secret that alcohol completely destroys the liver if you keep on drinking. But by abstaining from alcohol, drinking lots of water, and eating a liver-friendly diet, you can actually reverse some of the effects of alcohol abuse. Of course, that depends on how long and how much the liver has been abused. But yes, there is good news. The liver can repair itself after years of drinking. Drugs do a, a number of things to your brain. But look at it, only after 30 days of abstinence from using drugs. See how control comes back to the frontal lobe? And here are the lungs of a recovering smoker of a, smoker of a pack a day of cigarettes. <clears throat> the picture here is for the lungs uh, after 90 days after quitting smoking. My friend, God is offering healing and restoration to you today. The question is this, do you want to cooperate with God or do you choose to interfere with Him in His work of restoration? I know it's a heavy question. And I also know that, yes, one day we will be completely healed in heaven. The good news is, you don't have to wait till heaven to live a quality life. Healing and restoration can begin for you today. Here is what you need to do. 
Surrender yourself to God. Stop the sin in your life and establish an accountability and support group. As I said earlier, it is vital that you surround yourself with godly people in order for healing to happen. Proverbs, the wisest man ever lived on planet earth besides Jesus, Solomon. He wrote this proverb and he said, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Also, James talked about the importance of support. James 5, 16, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Why? So that you may be healed. By the way, the, that confession needs not be confused with the confession for forgiveness. Only Jesus can offer us forgiveness. The reality is God works through godly people who will keep us accountable and offer us support that the sin is stopped and God can work through His restorative powers to heal us. My friends, today God makes two declarations for you. In the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of this sin pandemic, who is our invisible enemy, this pandemic who wants to destroy us, in the middle of this hopeless world, today there is hope for you. God makes two declarations for you. They are true, they are real, and they are certain to happen. In Jeremiah 29 11, God declares to give you hope through Jesus and a future in Jesus. And in Jeremiah 30, 17, God declares to give you health and healing. These declarations are true. They are real. They come in God's authority and they are certain to happen. Would you choose to surrender to Him next time you feel the urge to use, drink, smoke, look, control, or gossip, or keep score, resentments. He can't heal you if you keep hurting yourself, if you keep interfering with His restorative powers. Remember? You have been bought with a price. God gave all that He had so that you can live again. And today, He wants you to have hope. He wants you to be healed. He wants you to live for Him. Would you accept His offer? If you do, wherever you're watching from, would you say this prayer of surrender with me? And also, I invite you to pray this prayer every morning. Let's say it together. Take me, O Lord, as holy thine. I lay all my plans at thy feet. Use me today in thy service. Abide with me and let all my work be wrought in thee. Amen.